Welcome to the Refuge Podcast from Trinity United Methodist Church in Ruston, Louisiana. Our prayer is that God uses this time to speak specifically to you, regardless of where you are on your faith journey. We'd like to also invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 1045, either in person or online at www.trinityruston.org. Thanks for listening. Isn't that a beautiful song? I love that particular rendition of it. It always just moves my spirit. I know that's true for a lot of you too. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Luke in the second chapter, the 21st verse through the 24th. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to open them and it will also be on the screens. Hear these words. After eight days had passed, it was time to circumcise the child and he was called Jesus the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your word, which continues to inform us and teach us. And so I pray, God, that our hearts would be open and teachable today so that we might experience something from you, a message just for our heart, for I know, God, you are always speaking if we will just listen. Amen. So I remember it like it was yesterday. I was nine months pregnant with my first child and I had just graduated from seminary and we were moving from Chicago to my first appointment in ministry which was at First United Methodist Church in the big town of Alexandria, Louisiana. It's a very, very exciting time in my life. But I started that job on maternity leave which really if you're gonna start a job, starting it on leave is an excellent way to begin a job. I think it makes a great impression on people when you start and don't don't come to work for a while, um, but there we were, and so we had this bit of time, kind of this fallow time, not knowing when the child was going to come, when she was going to be here, and so we decided to go and stay with my parents for a few weeks, and then we would stay there, since it was our first child, uh, for a few weeks after, with the hope that maybe they would help a little bit with her, and so there was this period, though, when I was just miserable physically. I mean, it's June in Louisiana. It's very, very hot. It felt like it was the hottest it had ever been. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't sleep. I had almost this fully formed baby there just in front. And I I thought, gosh, I cannot wait until she is born so I can finally get some sleep. Poor, sweet, naive me. I thought the hard work was really just growing this creature from nothing, but no, it turned out I had a lot to learn about what it meant to be a parent. Because of course, anyone who's been around a child for more than five minutes knows that the real work begins when the baby comes. 
And so it is true also in our story with Jesus. We read a few days ago, gosh, it doesn't even seem like a few days ago, but just a few days ago, we read the story of the birth of this child and how Mary and Joseph traveled a long ways when she herself was very pregnant and how she gave birth and the circumstances surrounding that. And I would imagine at the end of it all, Mary was very tired and also in need of a nap. But of course, there were things to be done right away. She's entertaining people as they're coming in. And then it isn't long before she has to take him to be circumcised. And then they have to make this trip to Jerusalem as is prescribed by the law because he may have been God incarnate, but he was also fully human and a Jewish child at that. And so part of being in that community of believers meant that there were certain rituals and certain things that you did at certain times, and he was no exception. And so very quickly, though there isn't a whole lot that we know about him as a child, we do know that the real work began for Mary and Joseph and his family after he was born. And that's why I picked this particular text. There's another story right after when they get to the temple about Simeon and Anna, and it's actually one of my favorite to preach on. But I love just kind of the ordinariness of taking him to be circumcised and then preparing to go on this trip to the temple. I think sometimes with Christmas, we get caught up in all of the glamour of it. There's so much to be done in preparation that we almost get to a space where we can't wait for it to be finished so that we can sleep again, so we can get uh, back to our normal routine. The kids will eventually go back to school and all of that. And, And we kind of feel like once Christmas is done, we're done too, failing to realize that the real work of Christmas begins after Christmas has come and gone. There's a wonderful writing that I share with you this morning. A friend of mine posts about it on Facebook every year, and this is what it says. Someone said it was over, that all the frenzy of shopping and shipping, making and baking, wrapping and tying and getting and giving was finished, that now we could take down the tree and hide our lights away in the dark closet for another year, resuming our ordinary lives like routine people after exchanging our presents and saving the paper for wrapping at another time. All the while conveniently forgetting that holy presence is what the season is all about and that like any birth, someone was given that calls us to care for and feed them and nurture and love them and that this someone, this child of the eternal just might be for us the man of sorrows. This tiny king all crowned in light on greeting cards might wear the bloody thorn for taking towel to wash our feet and shedding tears to bless someone like you and me who hid our lights away on Christmas day with a let's pretend it's all over while he prepares himself to be the ornament upon the tree on a dark Friday. Can this radiant stable lighten the sepulcher of someone that the creche can't cradle long enough because of Herod's hounding? Will swaddling clothes as wrapping of another sort become a shroud for love's strange gift? Should shepherds watch at starlight near a borrowed tomb, do crowded inns prepare an upper room, and will Christmas cake be fit for a paschal feast and government edicts set the stage for this child's doom? Someone said it was over when it has only just begun. 
So keep your light ablaze as friends come round to call. But above all, be aware that someone presents himself to us, this winter light at the dark time of the year, when comets blaze and starlight falls and green trees speak of endless life and candy canes are shepherd's crooks and the new year comes when we may give and know and nurture love as we grow in grace and our glad heart sings the gifts of joy that his presence brings. Graham Owen Hutchins wrote that for a magazine called Alive Now years ago, and I have always found it so beautiful, and I'm grateful when my Facebook friend shares it and it reminds me of it, because it really isn't over, although many feel like it is. This Sunday is called in church legend Associate Pastor Sunday because whereas Christmas Eve is probably the highest attended service for churches across Christendom, this Sunday is notoriously the lowest attended service across Christendom, which is so interesting because you reach both this incredible high and this incredible low all within a few days of one another. And it, it tells us why the work of Christmas is so difficult and why there is still yet so much to be done. Because I think we live in a world that is indifferent to the coming of this child. For most of the world, they didn't even celebrate Christmas, but for those that did, it really has become, for many, just this secular kind of thing that after the 25th holds little meaning. Because we all have our own personal lives to live, right? We all have free will. We all have an ability to either receive or not receive the gifts in front of us. We have to make our own decisions. And what I find really meaningful and important and significant, you may not. And that can make the work of evangelism, the work of those who are called to carry the light and tell the story, incredibly challenging You know, King Herod, for all his evilness, at least cared that the child was born. I think in some ways that is much easier to rally against than it is to rally against indifference or even just being oblivious. You know, the birth of Jesus for many is just this dry and dusty story that holds nothing, just unaffected by it. And I think that growing sense within us that this is true leaves us a little bit on edge and a little uncertain of what to do next now that Christmas has come and gone. The Gospel of John says this, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness doesn't comprehend it He was in the world and the world didn't know him. He came into his own and his own didn't receive him. You see, John knew that when Christ came into the world, most people missed it. They didn't get who he was. And I wish I could say that because all this time has passed, that that has become different. That now we get it. But the truth is, Though the whole world changed when Jesus was born, most people's world 
never really changed at all, at least their personal world. And there are days that I really wish that God would just make it so, would make it so that all people knew and believed. But of course, there is that whole free will thing, and love doesn't work that way. Love that is forced is not really love. And so often I find myself asking God, well, what can I do? How can I be a part of continuing to shine my light in this world? What, what would you have me? How, how can I serve you? And what I hear back often is just love people where they are and keep being a witness. Keep telling the story, not just with your words, but with your very life. This is what John the Baptist does. He points to the light. He is not the light, and that's an important thing. We are not the Messiah but we point to it alongside John. And then the shepherds did the same thing. The angels came and they went and they saw this child for themselves and then it said that they left glorifying God and they were telling the story to all that they met. You know, to be a witness in this indifferent and unaffected world is to leave this unmistakable trail of evidence that having encountered the Christ child Something has changed for you. Something about you is no longer the same. So that those who meet you, be they your coworkers or your family or your uninterested neighbor, they don't meet you and not also encounter Christ. You, your life, your calling, all that you have, are you giving it to the pursuit of being a witness for Christ in the world? I think this time of year, we're kind of in the in-between time, in-between holidays. We had Christmas and now we're waiting on the new year. This is a great time to do a little bit of soul searching, to ask some very personal questions of ourself. Like this one. In your own personal world, not your parents' world and not your friends' world, not your church world, Has coming to know the Christ child changed anything for you? Does it actually matter to you beyond the whole ritual of the thing? Do you just kind of follow the motions because it's what you think you're supposed to do? Or has it somehow been transformative for you? Have you laid claim to it? Has Jesus rendered any change in you? Or as one famous theologian said, if if you were put on trial for being a Christian, would you be convicted? Has the word of God's love and grace settled in your spirit and made a difference? You know, becoming a witness who testifies to something that they have no knowledge of isn't actually becoming a witness at all, is it? It's something entirely different. So if you're sitting here today and you aren't really sure then maybe that is the place to start. Maybe it begins with something inside of us. I remember the stories of John Wesley and how he was raised by religious parents in a religious age in many ways. His dad was a pastor. His mom was an incredibly gifted teacher and probably in this day and age might have become a preacher. She was brilliant And many came to know Christ through her. And this is who he was raised under. And so he too became 
a priest pretty quickly and traveled around and came to the colonies in America with this great idea that he was gonna convert all the Native Americans and teach them about Jesus. The problem was they weren't interested in anything that he had to say and he wasn't apparently very good as an evangelist. And years later, after he had returned to England, a failure in his endeavor to be a witness for Christ. He came to experience Jesus in a very different way. One night, in a place called Aldersgate, his heart was strangely warmed. And from that moment forward, everything changed for him. He was no longer just going through the motions. He came alive for the first time in Jesus, and he understood what it was to truly be loved and to love. And from that point forward, Christ began to use him in incredible ways and so many lives were transformed by his leadership and by his teaching and preaching and we are the beneficiaries of the work that happened after that moment. So maybe in this in-between time, it's a good time to ask those questions of the heart. Maybe you know Jesus here, but maybe he's ready for you to know him here. And so this new year invitation might be to let him in, to let him into all those places that so often we keep closed off inside of ourselves, to give him all of us. Maybe you've loved him for many, many years, but you're tired. Maybe it is that the calling upon your life is to experience a revival, a renewal within you to allow that spirit to grab hold of you as if for the very first time. And I'll tell you why, because it matters. Because the real work of Christmas needs to be done. The child has come, he was raised, he died for our sins. He taught us what it means to be fully human and fully a child of God. And without this message of hope, and salvation that he brings, all of us, all of us are lost. And that's a lot of us. And so we have work to do. And so in just a moment, Carly's gonna play a little something for us. She has graciously agreed. And I wanna invite you, before we sing our closing song while she plays, to come to the altar. Becky talked about this need to take a breath and to pray, and I think this last Sunday before the end of the year, that is exactly what we need to be doing, is just spending a few minutes in prayer and allowing God to really come to us in this space. I put a little water out there because I think sometimes it is this helpful touch point to touch the water and remember our baptism, or if we haven't been baptized, to remember the promises that are held in baptism for us. And so that is the invitation to come, to spend a little time in prayer as we prepare ourselves to go and to do the work that God has for us to do in a world that desperately needs it. Let us be in a place of prayer. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more about The Refuge and Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityruston.org.